This is Walker Lukens, and you are listening to Let me explain to you what we do here at the Song Confessional. We record anonymous people telling us stories. We choose uh, our favorite stories, and we give them to songwriters and bands who then create original songs. On this podcast, you're going to hear the the story, we call them confessions, that inspired the song. You'll hear the song itself, and then you'll hear an interview with the songwriter who wrote it. I'm sitting here with my favorite little squash blossom. Tell him your name. Hey guys, I'm Zach Catanzaro. And Zach, how are you doing on a scale of 1 to 10? I gotta give you a 5. Why just a 5? Well, you know... COVID, the ongoing civil rights crisis, the newfound constitutional crisis, things like that. Oh. Hey, Walker, who do we have as our artist this week? Our artist is Esme Patterson, a Denver-based singer-songwriter who's often classified as indie folk, although I find that wildly inaccurate since her records have soft touches of like 60s pop and kind of down-tempo R&B and synths. She just released her fourth studio album called There Will Come Soft Rains. It came out days before uh, we went into lockdown in this country. It's an excellent record, and you should check it out after this podcast. Esme's songwriting is very reminiscent of the classic greats like Joni Mitchell and Paul Simon with a dash of modern influence, kind of like a more poppy cat power and a slightly less poppy Lord Huron. She caught my attention back in 2014 with her record Woman to Woman. Each song uh, gives voice to a female protagonist immortalized in a famous hit song by a male singer. For example, the song Valentine is a response to Elvis Costello's Allison. The record subtly and tactfully upends the misogynistic themes that course through classic rock and roll. It's real masterclass songwriting, y'all. For me, Esme was immortalized when my now wife took me to see one of her shows within the first couple months of dating back in 2016. We still have the t-shirt we bought from her after the show. That's right, guys. Esme sells her own shit. You might recognize Esme's voice from the song Dearly Departed, a song she co-wrote and sings on uh, by our own Shaky Graves, and uh, it's it's everywhere. Yeah, I'm, I'm singing the chorus in my head right now. Well, you and I both know <laughs> what that chorus is. It's One might say it's haunting. You and I both know. Keep going. I don't know. <laughs> in this Love and Quarantine mini-season, we've been exploring different facets of romantic love uh, during the pandemic. So on our, our first episode with Cam Franklin, we heard from a couple that moved in together uh, just before the lockdown in France. And on the second episode with Gold, we heard from a woman who just started seeing this guy, and now their romance has been kind of completely uh, paused because of quarantining apart from one another. Zach, what kind of love are we going to hear about in this confession? On this episode, we hear from a woman whose nine-year relationship ended just last winter. With her plans to take a job out of the country this summer, the former partners remained in the same house after the breakup. Forced to quarantine together, she's surprised and grateful to learn they still make a pretty good team once the romance is removed. All right, y'all. Well, without further ado, here's our confession. Confession. Who are you quarantining with? I'm quarantining with my ex-partner. Wow. And did you did your relationship end during quarantine or before? Before quarantine. I think in January we 
you know, kind of came to the agreement that, you know, we're kind of going to do our own thing and go separate ways. And uh, there's a timeline on it because I accepted a job overseas. So I'm going to be moving overseas eventually. But in the meantime, um, we were just still living together. Okay, so how long how long were you in a relationship? Nine years. Wow. So you guys were in a, a relationship for nine years, and in January you uh, decided to end it, but you didn't move out, is what I'm, t- what I'm gathering. You didn't move out from the house you live in together because you were going to move to another country. Yeah, exactly. So, so what was the what was January and February like where you're still living in the same house but you're no longer romantic partners? It's a little confusing. I guess after you live with with someone for so long it it becomes really comfortable. Um and then after so long I guess it um yeah, it just becomes kind of confusing because you're not sure like where the the boundaries are, what how you should act towards one another. Um, you know, it's really important to me to be respectful just, you know, as a person to this other person who you know, I really do have so much love and respect for. So, I also want to be able to to do my own thing, and I think he wants to do his own thing too, but it's hard when you still live with the other person. Yeah. So when you guys first broke up or decided it was over and decided you would just continue to live together for a few months, I mean, how were you coping with that? You guys clearly had to see each other every day, right? Yeah, yeah. so it's not as if you could do what the average person does, which is just cut the other person out of their life for a while. Right, right. So how were you coping before the quarantine with your breakup? I was kind of going out a lot with friends, um, trying to spend more time, like, not at home, I guess. Um, trying to, you know, just like, explore my city and go out. Um, and, well, that got cut short I guess yeah (laughs) yeah definitely and so would you say that for those five or six weeks or however many weeks it was where the quarantine and not happened were you two fighting a lot were you in each each other's way like what was what was it like between you two then a little bit I feel like most of that happened in the fall, kind of leading up to this. And, um, you know, at at one point in the fall, it it became clear to me that maybe I needed to just do something totally different, which is why I pursued finding a new job and and moving. Um, So once, once that happened, I guess, once I got confirmation of that, in January, I think it 
became more of a reality to both of us that like it really was happening this breakup was happening and we would eventually leave each other and I think you know we're we're really good friends so we it's it's peaceful um we do have like very different ideas of of what we want and when we want it and kind of how we want to use this space that we live in together. Can I ask you like, give an example maybe? I guess, you know, I have this idea of when I come home, I want to just have wind down time and decompress and have like a peaceful environment. And he's much more, um, would love to just have like a, a party happen after work really often and so it wasn't super compatible in that way um you know we both live in this house and we should be able to do what we want when we're at home and but I I'm not down for having like friends over constantly or you know drinking constantly you said you've been together for nine years so my guess is that it, maybe this wasn't always a problem, but it's become a problem? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, in, in, in my perspective, it has. Um, I don't think it's... Yeah, yeah, he hasn't always been like that. I think recently it kind of happened a lot, and it caused a lot of problems between us. Yeah. So you see this is coming down the pike, right? Like you see that, oh my God, if we're smart, we're not going to leave our home or someone shouldn't leave their home. And what was the conversation like where you decided to quarantine together? I guess we, we wanted to kind of come in it as a team and kind of take on different roles so that we could, you know, stay safe. Um, I didn't want to like bring home anything and then he gets sick. Um, his family lives here. I didn't want to bring home anything. And then somehow his family gets it. I'm not so much worried about my health as opposed to other people's health, um, in his family, you know, his parents or so, um, I think we just kind of took on new roles where, you know, certain, certain things would be my department, certain things would be his department. Um, it's kind of like revamped our partnership in a lot of ways Hmm. because we have this common goal now is to stay safe together. So, um, you know, we've agreed that, that he'll, do the grocery shopping and and then I will do like the sanitizing and we have a little system we've set up so that you know like we're being really safe about what we're bringing in the home or where we're going you said it started your partnership back up so my question to you is what has it felt like to kind of meet those challenges together it's been you know we if I were to have to quarantine with one person in this whole world it would it would probably be him you know because we we just we know each other so well we've 
been together so long. We, we are a really great team. So I think we both feel like we're glad we have each other at this point. Um, I'm really happy I didn't move out or he didn't move out because I think we'd be feeling super alone at this point. Yeah. Um, so we, you know, we're, we're doing really good together. I think it's, you know, really solidified our friendship. And um, I know I'm, I'm really happy to have him here. And I, I think he's happy to have me here as well. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you're in survival mode. I mean, that's the mode all of us are in. And you, got, you, you guys have actually done that together. Regardless of deciding to end your romantic relationship, like you have figured out over the last decade how to survive together, you know? Right. That is a pretty beautiful, amazing thing to watch play out. It's like a, you know, in a story arc, this is the weird concluding chapter where you're just surviving with one another. Yeah. It, you know, it's like the... It really is. The the highlights are gone. Like the romance is over. The, the fighting maybe even in the dramatic sense is over. But like here you still are surviving. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I feel like there's nothing very dramatic with the story or super juicy about it, you know, but it's become almost for me, I guess, kind of a a silver lining to this quarantine is that we get to really spend some quality time together. And, you know, I, I know he's like one of my favorite people to spend time with. So it's been like almost nice, but I mean, in that sense, I guess. So, I mean, why did you break up? We broke up because we realized that we weren't happy together anymore. Over nine years, I guess you you grow as people, and I think sometimes people grow together, and sometimes people grow individually and I think we we've grown a lot and we've we've grown individually and I think this the things that we originally wanted have changed and I think the things that originally made us happy have changed you know I know I just I think he has a right to happiness and if I don't make him happy anymore then I don't want to I guess bog him down with that that idea of you know why why am I still here just because it's comfortable just because it's been so long you know maybe there's something else that will make us happy you know yeah Mm -hmm. is there a part of you that still wishes you guys were had a romantic relationship I yeah, I yeah, I would say so. I mean, it it almost feels like we are because we like live together, and now especially we do everything together, you know, because <laughs> there's no one else to do anything with, really. But yeah. um, you know, I I really think I you know he's an amazing person, and I will 
I'm sure always, you know, really care for him deeply. Mm -hmm. um, it wasn't like a some betrayal or, you know, some crazy thing that happened that, you know, split us up. But it's just, you know, maybe time to do other things for our life. Yeah. And see where that takes us. And I hope we're friends in the future, you know. I'm like so so thankful to to have him here with me and I think we've really like just kind of realized how much we value each other and our friendship and And I guess you keep saying you're grateful. When you say that you're grateful, do you mean that like you're grateful you're not going through this alone? Or is it that you're grateful you guys get to have this last chapter together that's not fraught with heartbreak? Yes, the second option. The second one. Yeah, okay. Okay. absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much. This is uh, really amazing, and I hope this becomes a song really quickly. <laughs> oh, thanks, Walker. <laughs> yeah. Production, Production notes. notes. Hey, Jim. Hey, Walker. Uh, how did you How did you meet Esme? I mixed her record that just came out. And did she just cold call you? or? Her record was produced by that band Tennis, and I've done a lot of stuff with them, and they're friends of mine. So they produced the Esme record, and we're looking for someone to mix it. And I said, yeah, I'll mix it. So Esme came to Austin, and we hung out and mixed the record. It was fun. So Esme was going to be part of our South by Southwest kind of extravaganza, and that got canceled, and she agreed to do uh, this quarantine confession instead. And what was that process like? It was, I mean, it was a lot of fun. I mean, I talked to her a little bit before she started about recording gear and, and things like that. She said she wanted to make it a simple acoustic song. I said, yeah, that sounds great. And then she recorded it all herself and then sent me, sent me the tracks to mix. Very cool. And she, she told me that this was the first thing she's ever recorded that ended up on one of her records so she's made been recording making demos obviously but never recorded anything that has ended up on the record this song illustrates something that i really love about the song confessional and that is anyone listening to the confession we just heard we don't know how the artist is going to interpret that it can go a million different ways depending how the how the artist uh, is feeling and wants to convey the confession and, I mean, I don't want to give anything away, but the way Esme interpreted the track, she wrote about a and a freaking hanging out together. And to me, that just blows my mind that this track is about and it's pretty remarkable. Now here's Let's Grow by Esme Patterson. Shelter your 
Let's Grow was written, recorded, and performed by Esme Patterson in Denver, Colorado, at her house. It was produced and mixed by Jim Eno in Austin, Texas at Public Hi-Fi, with assistant engineering by Grant Epley. It was mastered by Chris Longwood. And Walker, I think that's the first song we've had without a rhythm section. I believe you are correct. That is the first song on the podcast that has not featured a rhythm section. And what is that for someone who might not know what you're talking about? Well, traditionally, I'd say it's defined as drums and bass, um, but it can vary. In Latin music, it's a seven-man percussion section. In bluegrass, it's a banjo and a stand-up bass. Uh, In classic funk, it could be a horn section and a guitar player along with the drums and bass. Um, But this one, no traditional rhythm section, but there is you know, atmospheric percussion all over it, which really helps drive things forward and paints a beautiful picture. Me and Esme talk at length about how this song came to be in our interview. 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 You live in Denver, yeah? I do, yeah. Have you been in Denver for the last, since all this started? Oh, yeah. I mean, I was supposed to, my album, my new album came out on March 6th. And, um, you know, you know, I'm sure how it is with albums. You work on it for years. Yeah. And I was so excited to put it out. And then every, all of the stuff got canceled, of course. And I, I'm not upset about it. I, it seems really silly to take it personally in any way, it being such a huge thing. But I've, yeah. I've been self-quarantined for months now. Yeah. I really feel for you because I know all the work <laughs> all that goes good. into that. And then have the universe tell you, like, no, you need to stay home. Well, it's funny. It's like it was an apocalyptically themed album, and I was like, I just got what I deserved on that. But um, <laughs> yeah. we also, uh, my strategy is to play songs on tour before we mm-hmm. record them just to make sure they 
are they work, you know? Yeah. So I'm lucky I feel like we got to play the songs for people a little bit, but that's the thing I've been the most bummed about is not being able to play. You, you know, if I understand correctly, you kind of had to set up, you had to cr- like create a home setup to make your song. Is that true? Yeah, well, and what's cool about the whole project that I think for me has been missing from consuming a lot of art is that a lot of the art that already exists doesn't describe the world we're living in at all right now and it feels alien and alienating a little bit yeah. uh, to watch movies where people are hugging and you're like oh why am I flinching about this but yeah. this uh, story that was the confession is about being in quarantine with someone and in the process of re- of writing and recording this song I yeah I, I did something I've never done before which is create a home recording setup to get final tracks on a song that I'm going to release because I've made hundreds of demos that I um, felt confident no one would ever hear in their form of me recording it. So, you know, I never had to get my skills up, up and over the bar there. So it's been a really cool challenge for me to get a professional sounding set up in my living room and that's a huge thing that's like gonna be helpful in the future which is so great well so so let me let me back up a little bit um i i guess would you mind telling me in your own words what your confession was about oh um so it was someone speaking about having just decided to end a really long-term relationship with their partner and including moving away, getting a new job in another place and that it was mutual. And then because of the COVID-19, they ended up having to shelter together or also kind of choosing to shelter together and that that had kind of deepened the cyclical arch arc the cyclical arc of the relationship and and it ended up being kind of a beautiful recognition of what of the safety of what that was and that's kind of how I interpreted it and I thought it was was interesting because it wasn't like yeah we're getting back together she's like I'm still moving but it's been a like a blessing to be sheltering together during this time you know with someone that they, they've grown so close together and I just I was like oh there's a metaphor in here I love it I can't wait <laughs> like I guess the other way to read it is that she was forced to quarantine with someone she had chosen to broke up with but it right. sounded like she sort of viewed it and experienced it as like a kind of healing thing between them mm-hmm. and that to me was just like I've never experienced that with an ex. Like having <laughs> a really like uh, um, almost like structured closure process, like they did. It's like right. they broke up. She decided she was leaving. There was a date when she was leaving, and then oh, you're going to do this very intense thing where it's just the two of you. You know, <laughs> like it's only you two. Yeah. But it was cool how they, at all times, were checking in with themselves and like being honest which I was really impressed with and seemed like 
a pretty healthy or at least I don't know there I don't I don't want to make any judgment calls on whether it was good or bad or whatever it is it's like I felt like my job was not to qualify it but just to describe it and just to be like this is this feels like what she was trying to say to me was this uh relationship arc that yeah not a lot of people get to have a good like amount of closure and that's not part of our society a lot of the ways it's like breaking up it's like that shit's broken excuse me no cursing sorry um but uh (laughs) they um the story to me felt like what I thought was really cool about it was that the the coronavirus was a character in the story and it was part of the story and it forced them into that space that most people are uncomfortable to occupy which is like making that peace after the fact with your ex and like that the and the fact that they just kind of kept checking in with themselves and were like okay we're we're gonna see this process through and surrender a little bit to the circumstances and I thought that was beautiful surrender is the perfect word just so yeah and I think it's so so uh must be a testament to their relationship that they um could switch modes you know from being romantic partners to being hey we're really good at like cohabitating and sort of walking through life together you know like they could just remove the romantic hope future forever thing Mm-hmm. And just continued to do that. That that was, it really really yeah. struck me. It was like, man, that's amazing. Like being present. It was they were being really present, and that yeah. was cool. Have Have you been quarantining all alone? Pretty much mostly, um, but I I'm lucky enough to have a bunch of good friends to talk to on the phone, and and I see see people occasionally. But I've been pretty strict about all this distancing and I got my kung fu classes on zoom so I'm good that's amazing so you (laughs) you, and were you doing that prior to quarantine or did that start after I started in January for uh kind of a a new year's sort of thing and I feel really lucky because they stopped taking new clients when the virus hit so yes got it in so so here's what I Here's what I know about you so far. I know that you told me you're a morning person. I know yes. that you said you've been quarantining pretty much alone and that you really like this kung fu class that you're doing. <laughs> Do you... <clears throat> would you describe yourself as an introvert or an extrovert normally? Um, equally both. Equally both? I, I've so, actually been realizing that it's kind of messed up. It's like like a cat like a domesticated cat where I, I want to be surrounded by people but then be able to be alone in that situation. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the quarantining has been a really good reminder for me that I'm, I'm more of an introvert than I ever give myself credit for right. or like I know that I allow myself to be because um, me and my girlfriend you know, it's basically been the two of us, and for two and a half months, I mean, it was just me alone in my little project studio working on music, and in that, you know, I would do lots of Zooms and stuff, and 
just, I just couldn't, I couldn't do the zoom or the backyard hangs or whatever <laughs> the way I was expecting it. You know, it's like, man, I really need a lot less of this in my life than I thought I did. Oh, uh, totally. There's been yeah. like this, these waves of relief that there aren't any social engagements. You know, yeah. like, just thinking back to this time last year, like, I love going to picnics and barbecues and stuff, but it would be, like, all the time, and I would be, like, feeling obligated. So I, I'm with you. I've been kind of like, nothing is happening. I don't have to do anything. <laughs> well, so, great. So this song uh, that you wrote, what is the name of the song? The, the official title? Um, I think it's called Let's Grow. Let's Grow. So, how long did it take you to write Let's Grow? Um, I had the idea for the metaphor when I was working on a gardening project and I was researching companion planting. Um, and this is where most of my ideas for songs come up with, with is when I'm not trying to think about ideas for a song. <laughs> I'm just doing something else. Um, and I thought there were some of these relationships of plants that, that grow well next to each other that were really beautiful metaphors. And so I think it took me about a week to have... I wrote the, the words, the poem first, and then I kind of picked out some guitar parts for the next week or so um, while I was... Like I said, setting up my my recording equipment for the first time. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, I saw uh, a tweet two days ago, and uh, it was um, it was a writer. He said, "I don't enjoy write." He was like, "I don't enjoy writing books. I enjoy having written books." <laughs> I was like, "That's." <laughs> That's definitely my experience writing songs. In, in that, I love I love doing it, but the the process can be kind of um, yeah, it's sort of arduous to get from idea to done, and sometimes it feels not good doing it. I mean, that's how I feel recording a lot, and I record all the time. It's like I don't enjoy recording myself singing in the moment most <laughs> it's of the time. Torture. It's torture, and then <laughs> but then when you get to the, when you get to the other side of it with a little distance, it's like oh, oh, I did it. It's <laughs> so funny. Yeah, it's it's kind of an interesting place to be in for sure because it's like there is that wonderful sense of accomplishment when you when when I sent that song in, I was like, "Hey, I did that all myself. I did all the recording. I did all the stuff. That's pretty cool." You yeah. know, but also my favorite part of playing music is interacting with other people. That's the joy and the magic in it for me is either I'm alone on stage and I'm interacting with the crowd or I'm on stage with my my musicians or you know my my band last year though we didn't tour very much we practiced three days a week for two hours a day and that's what I miss more than anything is interacting with other people because that's where the joy of music is or has been for me. So it's been a huge shift to be like, no, you're alone in your apartment and you're yeah. doing this. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, this how do you have fun with yourself in the same way? <laughs> 100%. Well, so do you have any plans? I mean, are you going to try to tour? Are you booking the tour? Are you just on hold? Or what is, what's the next step for you? Um, I'm actually, yeah, we're, this is 
funny. I I'm starting a Dungeons and Dragons game that's themed off of my album with two of my favorite people. That is so, amazing. <laughs> we're gonna play uh, every two every two weeks and stream it on on everything, which is is a fun way to to stay engaged with the album, but also just have fun and be silly. Um, I have a pretty cool pretty cool character. I'm excited about. <laughs> oh my god, that is amazing. Super nerdy. I, I'm not ashamed. Um, but yeah, we're going to do some more live stream concerts coming up for sure. And just, uh, maybe, maybe an outdoor concert when it feels safe, but I'm not in a hurry to hurry up and try to make money by putting people at risk. I'm, I'm going to make sure to just do what's safe and do what's right and, if it's going to be a while, then it's going to be a while, but I, I don't want to contribute to anything that makes people unsafe. So if we got to wait, that's that's what it is, and I'm just going to be recording some new music here at my apartment. <laughs> now that I got my setup all ready to go, thanks to you guys. Yeah, well, thank you so much for being a part of it, and uh, I love the song that you made, and uh, I think the person's going to freak out when they hear the song you wrote. That's cool. I I don't know if I ever specifically explained it, but the song is about uh, a squash talking to uh, like a stalk of corn in the garden, <laughs> and the com the whole song is a conversation between the squash and the corn. And why did you choose those two vegetables? So I'd been researching companion planting and how certain plants grow next to each other can be beneficial to each other and I felt like that was a beautiful kind of encapsulation of the spirit of that confession and I researched into the best way to elucidate that and I felt like the relationship between corn and squash is really beautiful because it's they kind of go opposite directions but they're still supporting each other so the the role that the squash fulfills is that it has the wide, low leaves and it keeps weeds from growing around the base of the corn stalks. And then uh, the corn stalks provide a uh, almost like a pole for the for the leaves to climb up and the squash to be able to get enough light. Um, and they just kind of work wow. together that way, and it's really beautiful. And it, it's just one of the ways that nature just shows us these these lessons in such a beautiful way all the time. Wow. Thank you so much for circling back to that. That is amazing. I, I'm, like, going over the lyrics to your song now in my head. I'm like, whoa, okay. Um, I just wanted to make sure I explain that. Because yeah, I always no, do amazing. that where I, like, code things with m multiple meanings and I'm like I should explain this very overtly <laughs> in this interview <laughs> yeah so just to like for point of comparison but like a song like No River what is the song No River about um, this is kind of funny and I this is part of this white privilege dismantling that I'm working on doing but I was writing these songs in 2015 
when there was all that police brutality and I was trying to think of my role in society and I decided on doing subliminal messaging. I kid you not. So I decided to embed my songs with these kind of empathy practices that I thought I, I was kind of like a mole in these situations a lot of the time with crowds that were really not culturally aligned with me a lot of the time and then I felt like it was my responsibility to try to kind of talk to drunk cowboys about empathy so I embedded in these songs this idea of like let's focus on the fact that we're all human beings and we all make mistakes and that was the idea of No River where I was dealing with mistakes that I had made in the past and just trying to boil things down to their essence and just saying how do we forgive ourselves and each other and just recognize that we're all on the same page like we're all human beings um, and this is not some all lives matter bullshit because that's stupid but it was more just like how do I try to teach people to have empathy for each other and find common ground and that was where that song came from and what I'm upset about was that I didn't talk more uh, specifically about that and and draw attention to that instead of trying to just have it be more subliminal messaging. I, I, I wish I had more directly addressed that at the time. Uh, what, do you, what do you think the, the role is of a, a white musician songwriter in today's landscape? I don't know if there's uh, just one answer to that. Um, I do think if you have a following, uh, it's important to do more than just virtue signal to them that you give a shit. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I guess what I mean is, uh, and so to use Esme as an example, it's like um, she could probably say nothing and not lose any fans. Yeah, you're probably not wrong. And there are a lot of artists like that. And I think if you have even a modest following... Um, it's important to go beyond just sharing memes on your Instagram feed. Shaka from uh, Riders Against the Storm said this thing where he's like, if we're not talking about money, we're not talking. And what I take him to mean is, you know, I don't really care, white performer, white musician, about your good intentions. Like, it has, this is his entire lifetime, his family's in, whole lives, this is centuries long. It's like, at this point, we have to be talking about money you know and and you and i live on the east side of town yeah and and um it it's not a it's not the black side of town anymore you know like that that's gone so to so to hold those intentions in your heart like well i'm one of the good ones or whatever it's like who gives a shit yeah at this point like we're just talking about money and you know this the the thing that shock has proposed this live music um Black Live Music Fund. I mean, that's real. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's very real, and he's he's absolutely spot on. I mean, the, Austin has the Live Music Capital label because of the Black history that used to be in East Austin. I mean, that's that's what started all of it long mm -hmm. long before the blues run of the seventies, long before Willie in the sixties. I mean, it's it, it's been a long time. You're off by a decade, but you're right in your heart. How am I off by a decade? 
Willie in the 70s. Willie in the 80s. Okay. It's tight. Saying. Your heart's good. It's the okay. point is, yeah. since the early 1900s, yeah. that's why the East Side in Austin has the name. 100%. And it's, yeah. I mean, I, it, I don't know a single uh, musician who's opposed to this. So yeah. we'll see how it fares in the larger community. Because, you know, one of the ways that it functions is it's, it's just an admission of guilt. It's a real admission mm-hmm. of guilt. And I think that's something that um, I see people really struggle with. I think it's it's one of the main struggles in in this entire conversation. Yeah. Is everybody wants to be viewed as the good guy and on the right side, mm-hmm. and to admit that you are wrong at some point that means you were on the other side and, of the line for your you, whole life. And you and were born on the wrong didn't realize side. It. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're born on the wrong side. Some, you know? Yeah, something about admitting that fault is still just a massive hurdle for so many out there. Yeah, and I, th- I man, I, it's something that I really struggle with in in conversations that I'm having with uh, family and and honestly to to, to be truthful older friends mm-hmm. not my sort of current friends but um, is people want to people want to relate to racism and white privilege like it's something you can go to the priest and be absolved of yeah and you just fucking can't well said it's not how it works like you were born with this, you will carry this with you. It is not something you get rid of by purifying your thoughts and saying ten Hail Marys. Like you're, you were born with this, mm-hmm. you know. Well said. Yeah. Very well said. Yeah, I find it. Yeah. So, so we're obviously very in full support of this Black Lives Music Fund, and I, I have high hopes at this point that it this turns into something um, permanent. And basically, what that is is. Fifty percent of the taxes on yeah on uh, the travel industry, the mm-hmm. tourist industry. That means music, hotels, restaurants. Basically, fifty percent of the city's taxable income or not taxable income taxes taken from that mm-hmm. goes towards supporting specifically black artists uh, in the form of grants, in the form of housing development. I mean, all kinds yeah. of things in, in a, a myriad of ways. Yeah, and I I do wanna I do wanna uh, plug something here. If if you're someone who lives in in Austin and you might be elsewhere, and I know these things are available, um, there is a Austin Black History bike ride that I s- highly recommend taking if you're able-bodied, and if not, just hop in your car and do it. Uh, we'll put a link in our episode notes. It is such a visceral way to experience or uh, to see how the Black population of this city has been moved around for 150 fucking years. I mean, since since the beginning, they have been moved around. It, it, it's not just about the 1928, yeah. you know, city planning thing. It's it is from day one. Uh, I highly recommend it. We'll put a link in our show notes. And I know the the creator Talib, and I know that he is he wants to make things like this in other cities, and is looking for people to help out. So maybe someone listening. You know, you might know someone who could do this in your own town. Can I ask you a question? Sure. Yeah. We, we, we make tons of music together, but I've never heard of you writing lyrics before. If you were uh, Esme, do you think you would have written a song about a cornstalk and a squash blossom working together? I, I don't know if I have that imagination or ingenuity that she has, but a fucking amazing analogy. Love it. I mean grow together 
complementary crops. It's beautiful. It's great. Yeah. Um, the only thing I don't like about it is that it seems necessary for one to grow in the shadow of the other. Whoa, that's a good read. That's a good read. Uh, but I mean, uh, uh, in terms of your reaction to the the confession, do yeah. you think you would have had the same reaction? Ah, hmm. It's a really tough question because all, all of a sudden I just had a flashback of every ex that I've had. And living together post-breakup, I don't think it was possible. I I barely stayed friends with any of my exes in my life. There's like amicability. Amic- am- yeah. Yeah, it works. Yeah, it yeah. works. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I always was a person that was like, you know, once it's over, no regrets. You learn, you grow, but you grow forward on your own. Yeah, I mean, I I, uh, I will say that that confessor was one of the easiest ones I've ever had to take. She it, the the conversation just kind of proceeded linear, linearly, and uh, she didn't hold back. She's she's clearly already thought about everything that she yes. told you. It wasn't she wasn't quite processing anything in the moment. So. That being said, uh, I could never have this experience. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm saying that only as a comment on myself, but I do not. I mean, at this point, it's been a while since I had a breakup, but... You were homeless for a little while after the last one. True story. Thanks, Zach. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. But... It's just impossible to ima- in my mind to imagine breaking up with someone and then staying in the same fucking place with them for f- four, five, six, seven months at this point. And then after that, arriving at the point that your relationship's a little better than when it started? I don't know, man. You guys are adulting with the best of them, yeah. let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that is, that is a, uh, I, not me. Yeah, yeah. It not me. It, it not me. <laughs> you should call him to Dan Savage and tell him how you don't have any problems. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The Song Confessional Podcast is produced by myself, Walker Lukens, Jim Eno, Aaron Blackerby, Rylan Kettery, Mike Lee, and brought to you by KUTX. The theme song at the top is called Love in Quarantine. Cupid's theme, and it is available on Spotify along with the Love and Quarantine EP. If you like this podcast, the best thing you can do is tell a friend. If you'd like to do more, rate us, review us, and subscribe. Also, follow our artist page on Spotify and Apple Music. That way, whenever we put out a new track, it will instantly be in your feeds. Also, you should subscribe to our podcast. Thanks, Esme. Thank you, Esme.